This is On Point, a podcast about bringing humanity to leadership communications. I'm your host, Andrea Lekashoff, President of Broadreach Communications. Seitz is an award-winning professor at the Ivy Business School and a consultant specializing in management communication. She is the co-author of A Concise Guide to Technical Communication and Impact, A Guide to Business Communication. Jana is also a best-selling author of communication business cases, with some of them appearing in the Harvard Business Review. Given her expertise, Jana frequently speaks on a wide range of topics, such as unlocking your leadership presence, strategic storytelling, power communication skills for a virtual world, and delivering high-impact pitches. Finally, I want to thank Jana for inviting me into many of her virtual classrooms this year to talk to Ivy undergraduate and graduate business school students about how to develop high-impact virtual communication skills. Jana, welcome to On Point. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you, Andrea. Um, I've loved all our work in the past, so this will be a wonderful opportunity just to connect and and have some fun and talk about communications. Oh, Jen, I've been looking forward to it as well. And uh, truly, our work together has been so fulfilling uh, to me, you know, coming into your classrooms and working with your undergraduate and graduate business uh, students uh, teaching them about virtual communications. And, and that's in part uh, one of the reasons why we're here together. Um, I'd love for you to tell our listeners about the Ivy Baylor collaboration and what your intention was in founding it, because it's so relevant today in, in terms of virtual communications. Yeah, you know what? I think in my career, uh, there are things that stand out as being transformative, for me as an instructor or a lecturer, and, and this project really is one of them. Uh, the Ivy Baylor project started, I wanna say back in uh, 2017 with an idea I had about how do we get students to embrace virtual communication? Because I thought, you know, this isn't going away. We see Skype and all of these other platforms around. And and what we don't do enough in business schools is, is to teach students the nuances of communicating in a virtual world, whether it's it's uh, a virtual presentation, whether it's working in teams across the globe. And, and I, I, I struggled to figure out, you know, what are some of the best ways and what are the best practices? And, and at the time, there wasn't a lot out there um, being done in terms of real world experience um, mm-hmm. in this. I mean, you had books and, and even in my textbook, we talked a little bit about virtual communication and, and, and the, the rise of it. But what we hadn't done was develop uh, a structured uh, micro-learning experience for students. And um, I was at a conference, uh, the Management um, Communications Association, and I turned to one of my good friends, um, April Rousey at Baylor, and I said, I have this idea, and I hope you'd be interested in joining me on it, but I want to put 
MBAs and undergraduate students together to engage in a virtual case simulation where they have to work together to come up with a business solution. And then they have to present it virtually. And it, it didn't take her more than two seconds to say, yeah, I'm in. And, and that was sort of the birth of this whole journey we've been on. And it's really about going beyond just technical skills that business schools are so great at teaching, but to look at those power skills that not only get you through the door, but help you excel within an organization. And what we were thinking about at the time were communication skills, your teamwork-related mm -hmm. skills that are so crucial today. And we were looking at those top industries that um, are really saying that virtual skills and communication are key. And they, they matched perfectly with the industries that our schools were really focusing on. So consulting, healthcare, sure. pharmaceuticals, um, technological um, organizations, products and services, as well as NPOs and government. All of these industries were looking um, at strengthening these skills. And it, so it was timely, it was relevant. And it was something that, you know, we had not, we, we could not have predicted the COVID pandemic. And we are so glad that we started that assignment back then, because it really positioned our students who had gone through the simulation to be um, a, a step ahead of the competition, so to speak, because sure. they already had an example of how to engage in a virtual team. That's amazing. And you really were ahead of your time. It's funny here in Canada, um, you know, there's all types of companies. There's some that are just very local. There's others that are multinational. And certainly if you are entering the workforce and working in a multinational, you could be working on a team with people from all around the world. So I can see how you had that vision way back in, in 2017 and how relevant that is with all companies uh, today. Oh, definitely. And, and we were looking at this as, you know, we started this between uh, a school in London, Ontario, and Waco, Texas. And we thought, you know, the cultures are different enough hmm. that this would be an opportunity for students to learn the valuable skills of um, emotional intelligence, and social sure. intelligence, and merge that into their understanding of communication. So it's teaching them how to build rapport across uh, across borders. Um, and, and of course, through, through the virtual medium. So it really was an attempt for us to get students to see beyond their own backyards, um, to see that the world is a lot bigger and that people come to business problems with their own experiences. And how do we communicate through those differences and to join our similarities together to, to, to combat a, a business problem. So for example, our, this year, our case was a, 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 on a marijuana company. And so in this iteration, which I'm really excited about, we brought on um, a school in Asia. We brought in the mm -hmm. Sri Lankan Institute for Information Technology. Cool. And um, 
one of the beauties of doing that is to get students to understand that not all jurisdictions see issues the same way. Mm -hmm. So in Sri Lanka, it is something that is illegal. Well, how do you have how do you have those conversations when different value systems are in place, different yeah. laws are in place? Mm -hmm. How do you rise above that to to maybe shift the narrative or the understanding about issues? Let me tell you, this is, as I say, one of those assignments or one of those activities that as an instructor is is a learning for not just the students, but for the instructors themselves, because we we are challenged and excited by the ideas of other people. And it, and it allows for us to have these rich discussions, because at the end of the simulation, we bring the schools together to have a conversation about how they approached the situation and um, from the MBA perspective, what it was like to manage um, to manage um, a team of people who don't necessarily have the same uh, reward structure. So the MBAs, for example, they were getting a grade and a quite a high grade for the for the course. The undergrads, all they got was a pat on the back and this is a great experience, but there was nothing in it um, in terms of a tangible. Hmm. And so how does how do you manage people? Because isn't that what it's like in the business world? You as sure. a leader, you're paying them, yes. But how do you get somebody to want to engage in something, especially when there are time zone issues? So our Sri Lankan students were up at three in the morning working wow. with our students. Um, and it was it was so amazing to see how the groups came together and how they un how the undergrads, for example, learned how to manage up, to speak about their challenges, mm -hmm. their expectations on the assignment um, or, the, uh, or the activity. And so it allowed for students to develop rapport, develop an understanding of each other, which I think is so crucial. And I think the mm -hmm. pandemic has told us that we need to do that. It's mm -hmm. how do you build empathy and rapport mm -hmm. in order to help get a business solution uh, put into place. And so this assignment really, as I say, it forced our students to look beyond, beyond just communication and beyond just having the answer to a problem, but to develop those emotional and social skills. That's truly amazing. Um, so you, you touched on this a little bit. What do you think their, their greatest challenges were and what do you think their greatest learnings were from this program? Yeah, I love that question because, you know, it, it varies. Um, I, I think for the undergrads, you know, when you when you have students who who think their ideas are so wonderful mm. and that people are waiting to hear them, I think for them it was really hard for them to hear at the, at the end when we have our MBAs come together with our undergrads to hear that, you know, if I was to do this in the real world, I wouldn't necessarily go with this idea. Hmm. And I think for our undergrads, I remember one year there was this audible gasp in the room when they heard that. And it was this idea that, you know, you have to understand that you have to ask questions as much as 
the MBA had to ask questions yes. about, is this idea sound? Um, or are you just saying yes to get to the end of this assignment? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's how do you build those those trusting relationships where those MBAs could actually say to the undergrads, you know what, this is just not working. And I think that was a big challenge for our undergrads. For our MBAs, I think the big challenge was how do you motivate people who who don't have any skin in the game, so to speak, Hmm. um, except for maybe pride (laughs) or school loyalty, and they want to show that our school is fabulous. So what are those rewards and how do you manage that? Also, with the added complexity of having students in Asia, how do you bring them into this conversation? Because their life experiences were so different. Um, I, uh, this year, one of the things that happened with um, the last iteration with the Sri Lankan students, um, with COVID and the lockdown, there were also things like weather disruptions and um, power outages. And how do you deal with that? Or how do you deal with the reality that some students in other countries have multiple roles? Um, so being in their employment situation is as important as being in the classroom. And how do you manage that? Um, isn't that similar to in a business where you have people who have competing interests like family challenges? True. How do you keep or, or emotional or physical True. challenges? How do you keep them motivated and engaged? And so I I think with the pandemic, this has really added and heightened our students' understanding of those challenges and amped up the empathy factor. Because with the MBAs, having that grade, and it was 20% of their grade, having a 20% assignment um, dictated in some respects to what other people have in their control mm-hmm. how do you how do you move beyond that 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 need to control the situation and you know some people did well and and some people tried to micromanage and and that's a challenge you know um how do you keep them motivated? It, it, it's always, isn't that the perennial problem in business, <laughs> right? When you're working True. with people. And what a great and safe environment to practice this in. I uh, certainly remember I went to Ivy, uh, did an MBA there in my late twenties. And uh, there were many ways that I approached business that I, I certainly do not today um, because I learned um, and, and, and you also mentioned that just the perspective of working from people with people from other countries, uh, our class had, I can't tell you how many students from different countries in it. And it really, really demonstrated how people all think differently, how people come to the classroom and, or come to work with e- even different values and, and yeah. different um, perspectives. And I think that experience, at least for myself, was was quite seminal in in really understanding how different everyone is mm-hmm. and how to respect and engage with everyone because there is no right answer there is no right approach there is no right way it's mm-hmm. just different ways and and you know that in in the era of sort of diversity and inclusion is is a really important lesson to impart that we're all so yeah. different and we should celebrate our differences because when we come together from uh, points of places of difference, we end up with a better product or service uh, in the end. Oh, definitely. And you know what? I think 
Apart from those differences, I think what's really beautiful about this assignment or this, this simulation was that it taught people to look for the similarities. Mm. Because in building rapport, what do you do? You try to find those commonalities. Yes. And, and I thought for me in talking with the students, because we have these large sessions where we come together and we give our our two cents, so to speak, about the assignment. It was listening to how people built relationships and and how they thought of each other as friends at the end of this. And yeah, in business, you don't necessarily see yourself as, you know, best buddies, but it was that ability to see them as 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 colleagues now and and to share things um i remember students talking about uh the baylor bears and the fact that our students knew about uh their sports teams and things oh. and you know it was it was those those commonalities around sports and around experiences um, that really were quite impressive. And the students coming back and saying, you know, I had a lot of preconceived notions about what somebody from Texas was going sure. to be like. And while some of those, those stereotypes might have bared true, um, it, was the, it was the similarities. And I loved hearing, and, and I know it sounds trite, but, you know, how people began to, uh, began Facebook friends, you know, like LinkedIn and all of these other means of connecting outside of this assignment, I thought was really quite beautiful. I mean, it, it shows the power of, you know, having people look at networking, but also looking at how do we connect as just human beings. What a beautiful gift you've given to um, Ivy students in launching this program. Uh, it sounds like these relationships will last a lifetime and certainly uh, perhaps even lead to um, employment opportunities or, mm. or really just points of, of connection. Um, I'd love to segue now into virtual communications. Sure. Uh, I know you and I have um, taught classes on that, and I'd love to get um, your perspective on um, what you teach your students in terms of virtual communications and, and what some best practices are so that people can uh, have some takeaways on that. Mm. Well, you know, having switched to a, an online teaching environment this year, it was really important for our students to understand that from the moment they switch on that camera, they are um, on presentation mode, whether they like it or not. And so we talk about things like how do you have um, a virtual presence? That, that shows people who you are. It also shows them your, your humanity as well as your care for what you're hearing or listening to. Um, you know, so many times you see in uh, meetings where people look so disengaged yes. and, and we make impressions about people really quickly um, by just watching them for a few minutes. And I, I will often tell people, watch yourself see do a check every once in a while how are you coming across have your colleagues give you you know a little nudge if they see you closing your eyes for long yes. periods of time yes. or if you look disengaged um because again with with 
our students going out into the workforce, they need to understand that that impression, regardless of the fact that they're at home, they're still making an impression um, on the world around them. And so they need to think about that. So we, we talk about um, executive presence and how does that work online? And, and, and that example that I just gave is part of it. Um, other things we talk about, I mean, some of the some of the basics uh, of, of technology, and, and when you come in, we talk a lot about that, you know, the lighting and camera setup and all of that. Mm -hmm. That is also part of that impression management, as I like to call it. Oh, that's a great term. I love it. You know, it's like, how do you want the world to see you and, and thinking about, you know, uh, how, what does your lighting look like? Is it is it showing you off in the best light? You know, that sort of thing. Other things I talk about are how do you work in teams, obviously, uh, in a virtual world? Um, and, and how do you um, engage in presentations? And, and that's a big thing right now, because, you know, now that we've gone through the pandemic, I think what we're, we're seeing is that, and research is bearing this out in survey after survey, that we won't go back to business as usual. There will be changes and more people are mm -hmm. looking at a hybrid situation where they're half in the office, half at home. Some yeah. people don't even want to get out of this situation. They like yeah. working at home. <laughs> and so... How do you do a presentation in that kind of a venue? You know, um, how do you make sure that again you come across as confident and and reliable? All of those things, and so we talk about that. Then how? And finally, how do you engage engage in a virtual meeting? I think so many of us um, learned that on the fly. Well. Yes. It's great that we are able to teach students right now about what does that mean? How do we get you to a, to a higher uh, place so that when you go into the workforce um, in a few short months, you know how to conduct yourself? So important. Um, and, you know, I, I can't imagine how difficult it will be for graduating students and even students doing internships in the summer to integrate with a team virtually. Um, certainly everyone's doing it and we found ways of collaborating and coming together and connecting. And I, I couldn't agree with you more on, on the connection point that you made. I, I think some of the most rewarding and fun and um, really wonderful uh, client relationships I've had have been the ones where I've connected really connected with, yes. with my clients and gotten to know them and, and really understood them. And I, I certainly am someone who uh, loves being of service. And I will often extend my um, sort of communication services that we do at, at Broadreach to um, helping them out personally, if and, and where I can. And that certainly gives me great joy. And it really just helps bring people together. If I and, and if I can uh, say, go back just quickly to the Ivy Baylor project, one of the things that has happened as a result of that is that I have more and more schools wanting to come on board. Okay. Uh, so much of our accreditation uh, at the um, AACSB, which is the Association to Advance Collegiate Business, uh, Collegiate Schools of Business, one of the things that they are really looking for are these international experiences. And, you know, um, 
now with these type of micro learning experiences, students get that early in their career uh, within the school. And um, we've had a number of schools reach out to us. I was speaking to uh, a dean of a business school and he's like, how do we get on this? How do we get on this now? <laughs> you know? well done. And so, so I, I think schools are beginning to see the value of teaching these power skills so that we're not just relying on technical skills. Technical skills aren't going to go away, but if you really want to have an impactful business program, Mm -hmm. you need to think about these communication skills and and the nuances of communication in very different ways. And, And my hope is that we start to elevate these skills within business schools. I mean, you know, the, 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 the name soft skills always irks me because really, you know, I can teach a lot of the technicals, um, on the job, but what I can't necessarily, or I don't have time to spend time teaching people are, are, are the, the skills of communication and those power skills, how to be confident, how to Mm. demonstrate confidence, how to communicate in a group. How do you engage in an understanding of emotional intelligence and social intelligence? If the schools can take on that role early, half the work is done. And so I, I think changing that word power, uh, soft skills to something like power skills mm. really elevates it. And I think schools that don't focus uh, more on these skills do their students a disservice. And, you know, you, you just got me thinking there. I, I love the term power skills. I think there's also room um, in my perfect version of how business school would be taught. Um, there would be a course uh, or an integrated course somehow on self-care skills or work skills, how to get mm-hmm. into flow, how to manage distractions. Um, there's a, a really, really wonderful book. And uh, we just interviewed one of uh, the co-authors on our podcast, Um And it's all about how to focus. It's called the focus effect, change your work, change your life. And those skills are fundamental to really being a high performance employee. And um, I I think that you're onto something with with calling these power skills, because I think there's, there's a number of other types of skills that could also be taught along with them. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, And, and, you know, um, I'm seeing more of a call to these skills around the world. Um, And one of the other things that we're trying to develop in this simulation are are bringing these EDI concepts uh, into the the program. Um, And that's one of the reasons I love bringing schools from around the world into it. You Mm -hmm. know, if we can learn about not only our differences, but our similarities. Isn't that mm. a beautiful thing that to say that, you know, thing. we may be in different countries, but we share so many of the same values yeah. um, and ways of being, and we don't pay enough attention to that. I love that. Jenna, can you give us a sneak peek into some of the other topics that you are teaching this year to uh, MBAs and, and HBAs and some of the, the key takeaways and top skills? Yeah, I think, again, we've talked about virtual virtual meetings, et cetera, but yes. we're also talking about those cultural competencies. Um, and, and how do you achieve a group outcome in a virtual world? 
Hmm. And how do you, and it doesn't even have to be in a virtual world. How do you reach uh, group outcomes um, it, when, when the people are here with us? I think those are some of the, the things that we're really focused on. Um, and then again, the, the traditional issues around um, presentation skills. One of the things I'm really proud about, I do a lot of work with TRACOM group. Um, they are the social styles um, company in the U.S. in Denver, and I'm one of their um, instructors. Um, mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is how do you bring in EDI into the issue of social style? And how do you get people to learn how to, A, understand their own social style, and then hear and understand the experiences of others and to flex your style to what they need? Um, I think, you know, those are those are some of the big skills and topics that I'm dealing with in the class at the moment. You know, I, I think it's so important to talk about things like values and empathy. Mm -hmm. I spent an, an inordinate amount of time this year talking about empathy, but communication without empathy falls flat. And so how do we get students to begin to survey where they stand in terms of empathy, and to come up with techniques uh, to develop that. Active listening is another thing that we're, we, we talk about in our class. So what, does active what is active listening? What are some of the skills necessary to be a strong active listener? And mm -hmm. how does that relate back to business? Because a lot of people might be listening to this and saying, oh, she's talking about empathy and all of these great yeah. things, but what does that have to do with business? But isn't that what business should be about. It's about mm -hmm. understanding the people around you, the, the, your clients, your customers, understanding their needs um, and, and in a real authentic way sure. that you're not just trying to, to cover your bases, but understand where they're coming from and, and try to, to make that um, a focus of your, of your own business practice. And how did the students respond to those discussions? You know, it varies. I'll be honest. Um, mm -hmm. You'll always have the student who'll say that um, they're in business school because they're trying to get into finance and that's the only mm -hmm. thing that matters. It's the, the hard skills. Sure. But I have seen a shift over the last, I'd say, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Young people constantly impress me. There is a sense of justice that mm -hmm. they want to see in the world, mm -hmm. um, whether it's in terms of the environment or social causes. Sure. And we're seeing people, young people willing to stand up and say, you know, it is be we need to move beyond just profit. Okay. That we need to think about profit people and the planet. Mm -hmm. And it's so encouraging. Um, for, for, for young people to begin to stand up and say, yeah, you know what, I'm, I don't buy that it's only about money. And the, the discussions we have are, are so impactful. Mm -hmm. You know, people who, who say and understand that a company is more than its profits. If you don't treat your people well, you're not going to have those profits at the end of the day. Agreed. Performance and productivity lag. And, and so... 
I have confidence in our next generation to, 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 to look beyond. And I think that, um, you know, you'll be surprised because you're seeing students in, in who are thinking of industries that, you know, are, are traditionally, you know, very, very um, task or profit centered, looking yeah. at different ways of changing even those industries. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next 10 to 15 years if those changes make it to uh, policy and practice within organizations. Amazing. That's really amazing. Uh, Jenna, any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap this up? I think, you know, um, communication, communication, communication. It is just so critical in business today. And and I'm so appreciative for the work that you do and, and your willingness to come out and talk to students about your experience in the business world and working with clients. Um, these are these are skills that are so necessary, and um, we're always looking for 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 businesses who want to do cases with us, because cases do allow for students to to have those micro learning experiences. It allows them to see real problems that exist in the world and to to try to come up with tangible solutions. So if there are people out there who are willing to do some cases with us, I would love to chat with you. What sort of cases? Can you paint oh, a picture? I think yeah. this is a great opportunity to really share that. That's wonderful. Yeah, you know, we're uh, because I teach communications, I, I obviously like cases that have a PR spin to them. There's a problem with public relations or a crisis within an organization that needs to be communicated. Those are the kind of cases I like dealing with. Um, and and one of the things I like, um, so for example, the, 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 the case on the weed company, the company is called Herb, um, and uh, they had a social media crisis. And mm. uh, they reached out to me while the crisis was going on. And afterwards, I said, you know what, um, I'd love to write a case of, on this. And they said, sure, we'd, we'd love for you to. And the nice thing about that case was it was something that allowed students to really dig in. So yeah. how do you do? And, and the problems don't have to be massive. It was This was a problem of um, people who were on Instagram not liking a post and commenting vigorously about that post. Um, how do you bring down the temperature of, of a social network? Um, and so it wasn't it wasn't a huge problem. The the solution was relatively simple. Uh, I think it was scary for the company at the at, course, at the time, sure. but um, my solution was really simple. And you could see the numbers of, of likes or dislikes going down, and and the likes going up, and the positive comments were were going up in a matter of hours. So the 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 catastrophe was avoided, but it's it's looking for those sorts of cases, cases where you think, or a problem where you think, this is something that if I had to teach the next generation how to avoid this or mm -hmm. how to get out of this, um, 
this would be the great case. And so we've done lots of these. So right now, uh, a popular one that I've, I'm working with is COVID cases. Like how do you communicate COVID issues or policies sure. or, or practices about how you solve um, issues with in-house? That's an example of a great case. I mean, we could often find ways, whether it's a small armchair case or a longer case. Um, and one of the things I want to say, and in my the next iteration of my book, I, I am putting in cases because I think it is so important for schools and not only schools that deal with cases um, on a regular basis, but other schools, other fields to start looking at cases as a great way of testing student knowledge. Jana, how can people reach you if they want to um, reach out and uh, propose a case? Um, the best way, obviously, I think would be through email, um, especially now people don't want to meet me in person. So um, email is the best way. Um, and they can reach me through my IV email. Jana, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Congratulations on all the wonderful work you've done uh, with the Ivy Baylor uh, collaboration. And it was great to chat with you again. Thank you, Andrea. Pleasure to be here. Um, as always, I love working with you. Oh, that's so nice. This podcast was produced by Broadreach Communications. I'm Andrea Lekashoff, and thanks for listening. For show notes and additional resources, visit brpr.ca forward slash podcast.